Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arias, there was an age undreamed of, an age of podcasters. And unto this, Conan, destined to bear the clout and hits of SoundCloud, joined Aquila upon a troubled brow. If you liked this, don't forget to share and subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> awesome awesome <laughs> hi folks this is uh carlo uh emma uh basically uh is with us emma bowers is returning with us to uh apparently uh prologue our conan the barbarian episode uh and with me uh m- much like uh conan himself is um accompanied by kubotai is pete hey pete Hey, I'm the prodigal host, and I'm happy to be back. All right. And, and of course, everyone's already heard Emma. So, hi, Emma. Hello. Welcome. And <laughs> my you, might have been, now. <laughs> that might have been the best intro we've ever had. I mean, I, I'm not going to be I shy do about believe. that. Yes. You have to do the, 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 the Polidaris uh, boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, sure. <laughs> don't, don't get me started, Emma. That, that fucking, that fucking like intro, like drums and French horns. It's that slaps. shit gets me going, I get, man. I get excited. Like, I don't know. Just like Leonardo DiCaprio, like, oh, there it come. There it come. There, <laughs> there it is. There it comes. That's Conan. <laughs> me to my date in the movie theater. Psst, that's Conan. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, just put on the CD and point at the the CD player. Wait, what's a CD? I'm sorry, this is ancient technology. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we're gonna be talking about uh, the 1982 uh, film Conan the Barbarian, a breakout hit for none other than Arnold himself, um, and uh, written by a very strange dude. You know, Emma, um, I do have to admit that I. I had I had heard right that um, Walter from the Big Lebowski is based off of uh, John is it Milius Milius yes, um, and I I sort of like intellectually knew that and then I looked up his photo and I was like holy shit dude that is Walter. <laughs> No, he is. You can say like, "Oh, it's based on this guy, this one director." Like, yeah, yeah, sure. And um, for me, it's not even the photo. It was having to source all these quotes from him, and I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" Walter would say all these things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, why don't we do this? Uh, I, I want to go ahead and um, just ask 
uh, y'all about what, when did you first see this movie? Oh, wow. So I actually didn't see it um, until my 20s. And I remember this because um, when I was in my teens, I worked at the Suncoast video and I worked at this crazy dude. Um, you know, I think here's my thing in my head. I was like, wow, this guy's so cool and crazy. He wasn't, he was just like a 22 year old stoner who didn't give a fuck about being assistant manager at the sun coast, you know? Um, but you know, I was, I was like 17, 18. So I thought he was the coolest guy in the world, you know? And he always had like these stories. He was like Navajo. Half his stories were about like running away from like res cops and shit. I was like, this guy's the coolest. Um, you know? Um, and he was, he liked Conan the Barbarian and, um, he would play the soundtrack sometimes when we'd like open, you know, we'd have mm-hmm. to get everything ready. And he would like play the soundtrack for me, you know? And then years and years and years later, um, I literally hooked up with this dude. Like I say hooked up. I don't even remember this dude's name, but it was a very like, won't come over my house and watch a movie. And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and we watched Conan the Barbarian and I was like, yeah, this movie, this movie is all right. You know? Like literally never even saw the guy again, ended up watching Conan a few years later and just really liked it. And it was like one of those things I was really into. Like if I had like friends over, like a partner, like I insisted that we watch it together. Um, And I'd been into it for a long time. And I kind of would say jokingly, I would like watch it and then kind of like tweet about it. I was watching it. And I'd say at one point, I'm like, oh, this is an annual thing. But it kind of is. If you search my name on Conan the Barbarian, you probably every get a couple of years like me making kind of the same points and stuff. And I'd always really, really liked it. And the thing, of course, is like, it's not what you think of when you think of an 80s movie. You think of like, it's like Ready Player One shit. It's like Ghostbusters, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know what else. Whatever the fuck Stranger, uh, Stranger Thing was influenced by. Ghostbusters. I, I don't know. Just fucking says Ghostbusters. And for me, it was such a good movie. And I got to this point where I was like, I'm making videos. Why don't I just talk about this movie? Like, get it all out. Just like purge myself of my constant desire to watch this movie once a year and drunkenly tweet about it. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I... Okay, have you ever have you ever found yourself about to explain something and you feel like you're playing a game of one-upmanship? I, I swear to God, I'm not doing this, and I apologize. But my story about Conan is actually like, holy shit, dude! Maybe you shouldn't talk about it, but uh, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Okay, so my I was asked by my parents to go over to their friend's house and mow their lawn and stay over there and look after things. And over time, it became clear that what was going on was that their son was dying of cancer. And so I would go over there and I'd mow and I'd look after the place and stuff and he would be there. And it turns out the real job was actually hanging out with this dude. And I was initially very uncomfortable with that because, like, like holy shit, I was, like, what, 15? I didn't have the emotional equipment to deal with what was going on. But, like, he didn't either. So, like, we started watching all of his Betamax tapes. And we started watching Conan. And we started watching Howard the Duck. And so a lot of my exposure to some of, like, the, the, the crappier end of, of pop culture from the early 80s was from this guy. 
And as things progressed, like I ended up, I ended up going to the library and getting the Conan the Barbarian stories and started reading them to him. And like, there's no, I'm not going to a more significant story here. Like, there's no, like, this somehow led to a greater communication. No, 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 no. Fuck that. But like, I like that's the moment in my life that I connect to with this. So like, even though you watch this and it is like, it's. It's it's dumb movies about dumb shit, and that's what's good about it. It also always feels significant to me, and that's why. That's really beautiful. No, it's better than you. mine. Like what? I like I like hooked up with some dude I never saw again and got in a well, movie. You have like a, a, a you have like a very strong, wonderful connection to this movie and the Conan but, but, lore. <laughs> But the thing is, like, like the, the whole point is they're fun. And, like, after you said something, I didn't want to be going, it's like, well, your story is nice, but mine involves death. <laughs> you know, it's like, fuck off, dude. Tell you what, Pete, I- I'm going to let you off the hook because my story is completely inane. Because I don't, <laughs> I don't actually remember, like, I don't have, like, a formative moment where I was like, oh, yeah, this is fucking Conan. Awesome. I must have watched this in snippets off of like HBO or something. I have no memory. I did not like, it's like one of these things that I, I just sort of stumbled across it every once in a while. And with every iteration and, and Conan is a very, um, I feel like it has a very weird structure to it that my brain doesn't necessarily hold on to. Because there's still parts of it, like I've seen it probably like 15 times over the course of my life, probably. Sure. Uh, and every time I'm always sort of like, well, this, what what happens here? I, I forget. And I, I know the general arc of it, but then that's the thing. I feel like, can, can we talk about the structure? Because it feels like it has like two, two weirdly, uh, like two different arcs to it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and that's right? um, that's something that I like talking about because they've done interviews with Milius, and Milius is very like I think three part acts are bullshit. I just think you should write a story, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that really holds up when you watch Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, well, right. and I mean, if you if you read the the short stories, which I mean, like side note, remember I read them to a dying guy. Uh, <laughs> there, I mean, you read those like a deck of cards. Like each one isn't so much a story. It's like, here's something that's going on. And then there was some ass kicking and you're done. Let's go to the next one. So, I mean, like the whole Conan verse sort of defeats, like it's never going to be fucking Shakespeare. It doesn't even try. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it it comes from like the, the source material. And I feel like the movie does capture that. It feels, uh, and, and when I say it has like two different arcs, uh, that it, like it has an arc that gets you to the midpoint, and then you have another arc that leads to the the sort of like the the fulfillment of Conan's revenge, um, and that's where you know that's where you end the movie, which is great. It it, it also feels very episodic. Um, it, it does feel like you know let's get the let's get the let's get the D party together and then oh well now we have the D party together so now we're gonna go do a do a heist you know and it's all great don't get me wrong i i i don't say this flippantly i do actually like the the idea of it being just sort of very much uh hearkening back to its pulp roots which is like pulp wasn't meant to be like 
Shakespeare was supposed to be like, yeah, let's have some fun. And as you said, Pete, I think it's just like, here's some stuff that happened. Ain't that weird? Oh, look at that. It's, it's, uh, I think one of the stories that I remember, there's like, uh, the, the treasure is held on a pillow that's floating on a, uh, pool of quicksilver or something like that. <laughs> some goddamn thing. Yes. Yeah. And you're like, that's awesome. And then you go, wait, how does that work? Never mind. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. As soon as you go there. So I can I go off topic for a second? I, th- I think Emma may find this amusing. And it's, it's very typical pod side lore. So yeah. a, a, a few months ago, I don't even know how many now, we, we, had, we had a guest uh, named Emma who came on our show. And I thought she was pretty cool. So what I did was I added her on, on Twitter. And at one point, I reached out to her on there to ask her about something specific, and she never responded. I'm like, fine, whatever. And only today did I realize that I added some random fucking Emma Bowers. Oh, no. <laughs> who thinks I'm a psycho for yammering at her about whatever the last episode was about. <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for the other shoe to drop. He's, oh, he's gonna, absolutely. He's ask me something creepy in me. <laughs> so, so anyway, you're now followed, Emma. Yay, <laughs> that's, I that's followed you back. Nothing in that. I'm like, oh, that's odd. You know, I was like, only half of Podside Picnic follows me. But I was like, oh, well, you know what? People people got the reasons that social media can't get too worked up about that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, you, it's a rabbit hole. You can get so personal in it. And like, honestly, if you're listening to this and I haven't followed you, it's absolutely because I'm a dipshit. <laughs> yes. I, I also uh, I, I will uh, I won't second Pete's comment because that's rude. But I will also <laughs> join and say in saying that I am a complete dumbass uh, most most days. Um, I think it's just human nature. Um, but thankfully, I don't tweet when I'm feeling like a dumbass. So. <laughs> Good investment. Yes, I, I do try. Um, so yeah, let's. Can we talk a little bit about uh, that opening sequence, which is nearly silent and feels completely operatic? Oh, it's, it's beautiful! It's like, perfect, amazing, amazing. Like it's just, it's so good. It has um. Oh God, I cannot remember his name. Fake Conan fan here. Conan's dad. Uh, um, he uh, just passed. Will, I think it's Will Smith. I believe. Yes, yes, it is. It is not the, the Will, Smith. Will Smith. It is a Will Smith. <laughs> Um, he just passed away a few months ago, um, but what a king. Yeah, and he has that whole little thing, you know, and the thing, and I mentioned this, is it's a very quotable movie. It's not quippy or snarky. There's nothing you'd, like, put on a T-shirt or whatever the fuck, but it just has really good dialogue, and he has, like, the riddle of steel, you know, and he's like, only this you can trust, and then the rest is just no dialogue, and it's the raid, and... It's it's great, and there's like that fucking village. It's like stuntmen like falling off horses and shit. It's so good, you know. And then and then you know the introduction of Thulsa Doom by James Earl Jones. It's such a good scene. Like it's just designed and shot, and it's like you know psst, that's the bad guy. <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> yep. James Earl Jones with a magnificent wig. Oh, beautiful! Uh, he has a drip, as the kids say. <laughs> So I, I have you guys ever looked at the Wikipedia article? Because the first paragraph of the plot is like the biggest like breakneck plot description I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Yep. 
Yeah, so it's like uh, one day the Sumerians are massacred by a band of raiders. Conan's father is killed by dogs, and his sword is taken by Doom to decapitate Conan's mother. The children are taken to slavery and sent to work on the Wheel of Pain. Conan survives into adulthood, becoming a massive, muscular man. It's like, holy shit, man. Well, somebody did their summary right. Oh, yeah. Well, that's like an 80s montage. There should be music playing in the background when you read that. I love that shit, though, because in my head, I was like, if this was a fucking TV series, you know, it'd be like episode five before, like, you know, Arnold, before, not, I guess, Arnold Schoepler, <laughs> but you'd be like episode five where Conan finally gets his freedom and, like, finds that sword. Yes. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Totally. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, Connor, I, Connor, Carlo. Wow. Other, other hosts, uh, Carlo, I know you haven't seen the remake that happened in 2011, but Emma, have you? I did not because I was like, this is bullshit. I just knew it. I knew it. And I get so critical and people like, how come we don't watch stuff? It's like, I don't know, man. Like it, uh, why would I wait? My time is valuable. You know, why would I waste my time watching something and not feeling or taking anything away from it. And I I said this in my quote, I was like, you know, like I was like, it would just be bullshit. And it is, it has a well-known actor and it's CGI shit. The guy who directed it just did music videos. And Roger Ebert was like, this is a joyless slog. And not like, I mean, look, Roger Ebert wasn't right about like everything. You know what I mean? Oh, but Um, he was right about that. He was right. Yeah. But, but he, he was right about that. Yeah. Well, the, there was one good part of it which is they took the idea of the opening 10 minutes being historical and with the kids and they ran with it. And that first 10 minutes of that movie, like if they just stopped after the first 10 minutes, it would have been worth the money. (laughs) Like everything else was bullshit, but like they, they went with the, with, with the, the child living among the tribesmen the they get attacked by the enemy and, and the kid goes hardcore. And like, I have watched that scene probably 40 times and I've watched the movie twice. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did want to point out that um, when, when Conan's dad, uh, which <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. His name is Corin, the barbarian, I guess. Um, uh I just love that little, like when he introduces the concept of the riddle of steel, uh, he sets up like this cosmology in like, just like, what is it? Like maybe three or four sentences. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, uh, Crom became angry and there were giants in the earth and they stole the riddle of steel from him. And he came down and he beat them all to hell. And, but on the battlefield was the steel and we found it and so on and so forth. And you're like, wow. That's like, you know how all those threads about how to do consist, uh, how to do great world building, uh, you know, uh, one out of uh, a thread, uh, one out of question mark. (laughs) And you're like, no, this is how you do world building. You just make do that and then just have a scene where the the village is attacked. And um, it's it's it just sets everything up so sort of easily and elegantly and. As we'd mentioned, there's once the raid happens, there's no dialogue. Even, you know, uh, you have an actor like James Earl Jones who has, you know, like his, he's best known for his voice. No dialogue. 
he just sort of looks pityingly at uh, Conan's mom and then just lops her head off and takes him away. You know, and that's it. You're like, whoa, I'm in this now. Um, and there is like, I do like that the the whole sequence where he's still sort of enslaved and they cut him loose and then they finally put him into like the fighting pits and he sort of wins his freedom uh, by, I guess, earning his master enough money to be free uh, is sort of almost it's it's played out. It's done sincerely. You know, it's not like a montage or anything like that. It is a montage, but not in the sense of like an 80s movie montage. It's to me, it feels like little clippets, you know, like, um, you know, yeah, like little vignettes. Yeah, little together. little yeah. vignettes, you know. And like I said, we have a uh, Mako who, God, like I mean, most people remember him because he voiced Uncle Iroh in Avatar: The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. and uh, he's so good in this, you know. And he he's like, and Conan was a gladiator, and <laughs> Conan was submissive and breedable. <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> and then he was trained, and then he then he went, then he was free. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> he was trained in many weapons. And it's like, oh, wow. I I'm, I mean, Mako is so great. Oh. That's cigar voice, man. Oh, yeah. R.I.P., man. Fucking treasure. Fucking treasure. Um, But yeah, so then, uh, and I don't even know where I picked it up. I guess I must have read it somewhere. Like the whole sequence where he's running away from the, the wolves or the dogs or whatever, and he falls into that tomb. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's an Atlantean sword. And I was like, where did I even pick up that fucking information? I don't know. Yeah. I must have picked it up somewhere. There's a, like, going back to world building, you're still like osmosis. Because they mention Atlantean in, in Mako's intro. And you're like, oh, I, I guess that's what it is. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's very, I mean, that's the thing about the world, which is it feels very rich. Um, but no one's really sitting down too much and explaining like too much shit. They're just like, this is how this is. And I find that really interesting because there's, oh God, I, I talk about the expanse a lot because the expanse is really good at its world building and why people do certain things and how the information's kind of sprinkled in. Um, but Conan's just so pulpy. So I almost feel like the pulpiness kind of means that your brain kind of fills in the blank spots. It's like that thing about how, um, when we read words, as long as like the first two words and the two letters and the last two letters, um, are there, even if it's spelled wrong in the middle, you know what the words are. I feel Mm -hmm. that's kind of like this world. You're just like, Oh, it's probably an Atlantean sword. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> but before, yeah. Or no, after that, he meets up with the, <laughs> the witch, which I, I definitely remember it being like more, I don't know, more. It's like very- I remember watching this as a, as a kid and going like, whoa, there's like, there's like stuff going on here. <laughs> it's like sexy times. It's a very uh, problematic scene. He's very disrespectful to the women. <laughs> well, she does invite him, doesn't she? Uh, yeah, but then he throws I, I guess, her. I, I guess I meant she more did. about like no, the, the the sex is clearly consensual. It's the fact that he just throws her into the fireplace. <laughs> very, <laughs> very disrespectful. Conan rethink this king. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe that was what he was taught, you know, when he was uh, I mean, <laughs> as a, a slave. <laughs> I, I do want to be fair that that's not gender based. He'd do that to a shopkeeper or anybody. He's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's more that he's a dick. 
yeah, he's 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 sort of like uh, I, I can almost imagine. See, now I'm 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 mixing up stuff and going like, oh yeah, he just yell out like Joe Pesci and my cousin Vinny. I'm done with this guy and just throw him in the fire. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck you. I bought my sword from you. Fuck you. I'm done with you. Bye. Um, but yeah, so, and then he meets, uh, was it Subutai and, uh, played by, I did not know this. Uh, is it Jerry? Um, shit. I'm going to forget his name now. Seinfeld. Jerry. It's not Garcia. It's, uh, it's Jerry Lopez. Lopez. There we go. Who, <laughs> he, he's a surfer. <laughs> He he had like no prior like he'd had one prior acting credit. Oh, Milius uh, which was loved what, this shit though. Like half his casting, he's just like this guy looks cool. Yeah, I want this guy to look like this. <laughs> and they're like, well, well that, can that, he can he act? He's like, no, I don't care. <laughs> the, yeah, that's the wild thing. Like they 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 brought in Arnold because uh, it, they they thought he looked the part like uh, a Frazetta painting, like the covers from the books. <laughs> And uh, and then even then, like uh, John Milius was like, yeah, you got to bring him, slim him down. He needs to be a little, a little bit more athletic, not so big. Uh, you know, uh, is it Sandal Bergman? Uh, it, it was I did not know this. She was re- recommended to Milius um, by uh, from working on all that jazz. Yeah, and going back, like she she was just a dancer. You know what I mean? Like, but yes. and I mentioned this. I mentioned this in my video. But what I thought was kind of I don't know if it was intentional or not. But he chooses a lot of these people based on how they look. Um, James Earl Jones' his other two Lakeys are like a football player and another wrestler, just because they were like, we just need two dudes who are bigger than Conan, you know. Um, and then he peppers in these really good actors. He has Will Smith, James Earl Jones, Max von Sydow, Mako, like, and they kind of balance out the fact that like you know um i had a friend and it made me laugh every single time we'd watch this and she would just <laughs> say she's like arnold schwarzenegger has has about an like has about as much business speaking english as mass mickelson <laughs> like he is incomprehensible but i will say to mass mickelson's credit he's a very good actor arnold is riding just on the fact that he's kind of a charismatic dude and you're like i like this dude i want to i want to see what what's up <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because a lot. You're absolutely correct. Like, it's it's so weird to see him just be physically charismatic. It's not even really uh, like even when he does the you know like the stereotypical line, right? Mm-hmm. You know the yeah, you know, what is great in life? Uh, he sort of like <laughs> just sort of slurs it, and he's he's got like this thick Austrian accent. Um, I was reading that. Uh, <laughs> I think James Earl Jones was actually helped trying to give him pointers on how to, you know, deliver lines correctly. He had like extensive voice coaching just to make sure that, you know, he could speak English better and more you know, enunciate in a way that would be understood. Uh, and by the end of the movie, you definitely, you know, like that, that whole uh, prayer that he makes to Crom is, is just, just greatly quotable and also just also, you can understand it very well. The prayer is good. The other one too is when uh, he like um, he tries to confront Tulsa Doom and gets his ass kicked, and he kind of breaks down. He's like, "You killed my family," and like it's very thick, but like the, the rage and the pain is there. Where that scene works really good. I feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, but also like even when um, like uh, the the funeral scene, like you you sort of you can see him working through like some. 
even though it's not present, like he's not like facially emoting, it it works somehow. It works. You you go like, oh, this is a dude. Which is the line that uh, Subutai does? Like, uh, he can't cry, so I cry for, for him. him. <laughs> Such a so good great. line. Such a great line. Such a good line. He's so manly. He can't cry. Yeah. <laughs> actually, but I have I, to cry for him. I I remember though, like I would have like 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 you know like like bro friends who would quote that and be like, it's badass. And now, like as I'm older, I'm like, it's actually a really fucking tragic line. <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah, he that's really totally crazy. Yeah, he can't process. That. He can't process his emotions, and that doesn't allow him to find that grief. <laughs> it's actually very sad. Yeah. So yeah. have it, have either of you uh, uh, played the the video game? There was a video game. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah on the on the PS4. There is a a multiplayer Conan game that is. Um, I've sunk probably a hundred hours into the goddamn thing. The, is that the exiles or whatever? Yeah, Conan Exiles. So it's it's a survival thing. So you're going out like gathering sticks and mud, trying to build like a a firm enough uh, foundation to keep the fucking alligators out. And like, <laughs> like like you're cannibalizing people to get enough bone to build a decent enough sword to hold them off for a while. Like it's really grim in a good way. <laughs> uh, Pete, I'm sorry. I've heard enough stories about Ultima Online to not really be interested in this. Oh, is this I, like I, um um Genshin Impact? Is this some weird pay for play <laughs> by Kram? <laughs> Conan needs more coin. <laughs> Give me five more dollars. <laughs> you you actually no. You actually have to go to. You have to build. Uh, or there is a, a little altar to Kram where you have to put in. Put in your coin for a donation to Krom. Actually, you know, Krom is the only god that doesn't accept donations, I'll have you know, because, like, <laughs> that's how he's wired, man. He he, he wants strong men. He doesn't want uh, obedience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of the funny things that I'll, I'll point out that I feel like um, – so, so let me – hold on. Let me back up just a second because I found out today – that the original script was written by none other than a completely cocaine-fueled Oliver Stone. Yes. Yes. It is allegedly a mess. It was like post-apocalyptic and Conan was like fighting zombies. And no, you're correct though. Like it was incomprehensible. There are people and they'll insist that drugs make you better writers, but I think that's just their excuse. So they don't have to get rid of drugs. <laughs> like, leave it to Stephen King folks. Oh. Just leave it to Stephen King wrote at least two books that he doesn't remember. <laughs> uh, he he um, got a fucking Razzie or at least a nomination. Who, uh, Conan the Barbarian. Oh, yeah, yeah. He got yeah, Arnold done. Did, yes, yes. Um, weirdly, Sandal Bergman got a, uh, was it a Golden Globe for Best New Actress? Um, uh, and, and honestly, she is very charismatic. Like, honestly, I, I this movie may not work if she had not been. In have it. either of you listened to the commentary? I have not. Milius is, not it, one, you, you need to because it's amazing. It is. Um, it's John Milius and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, Milius um, goes between dropping in like really cool little bits of info or stories or we film this here. Here's the thing. Here's what I wanted to do of other movies and being really, really, really horny for the actress. And he's just constantly going, <laughs> oh, no. look at her. Look how tall she is. She's a Valkyrie. <laughs> 
Well, that's right. <laughs> and then Arnold, like, and Arnold is like a child, like, watching a movie. He's like, I got this sword. Israel, I hit the guy. Ah, is that the wig? He looks like he's wearing a wig. Um, it's one of the he's best. Like, it, it needs to be like archived. It is. It is one of the best commentaries. I think. I feel like um, any any. I don't know. I wouldn't say any fan of cinema owes it to themselves. Yes, I mean, I could just imagine. Hey, John, isn't that the guy that you hired for one day? I broke his skull, didn't I? I mean, pretty much. But yeah, half the commentary is just him being so horny for this actress and the character of Valeria. But she's uh, Sethel Bergman's like six foot, and uh, she was basically chosen because, or I forget if she was chosen uh, or Arnold was chosen to be you know, paired up together basically on screen because, you know, you couldn't work with someone that was shorter. It's just not going to work like six foot. That's a big trench. You know? That's a couple Apple boxes <laughs> right there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 we're not, we're not doing an interview yeah. with the vampire where they're di- digging a trench for Brad Pitt, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah like, oh, go ahead. I'm looking at, I'm, I'm looking at her, uh, her other works and I'm kind of sad, man. Cause like, she this this didn't lead to a career yeah yeah i mean it's sad uh thrown away sorry folks they 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 didn't appreciate what they had didn't she go back to dance though i feel like she like went back to dance after that yeah she she did fitness videos i think Mm. Yeah, oh, I mean, wow. she, she, was, she carried this movie in a lot of ways. Oh, she's, yeah. no, she, she's great. She's, she, I mean, I love her character. She's, the fact that, like, she's never acted before. She's a, she's a decent actress. Um, She's just fun. She looks great, you know. We, we stand a Valeria in this household. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm gonna, probably going to embarrass myself slightly because uh, she was in Xanadu. Right. Which was like a favorite of a weirdly favorite of maybe eleven year old Carlo. Mm-hmm. Uh, then showed up in this, then Airplane Two, and then she the uh, was it the R R Haggard is is that his name, the dude who did like uh, uh, Alan Quartermain. Yeah, uh, and then after that it just goes like completely downhill, like into. B movies and stuff like that. Like hell comes to frog down. Although I I've heard good things about how fun that is, but yeah, none of it is like, you know, big, uh, you know, big screen stuff. Lots of TV too. Hmm. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah, honestly, I, I do believe that she really helps carry this movie a lot. Uh, and, and honestly, she is able to, um, to become like this, I think you you went into it went into that in your in your little video essay, uh, Emma, about like how she is able to sort of elicit a sort of the the romance scene between her and Conan is is believable, and they have a nice arc together, and so on and so forth. So that when things happen uh, later on, uh, such as you know. Uh, she decides to, you know, pay the price. Says to uh, Mako's character uh, that she will pay the the spirits for the the toll that they require for bringing Conan back to life. You know, you believe it. You know, you 
It's delivered sincerely. It's really sincere. And I honestly think that she and Conan hooking up like earlier in the movie really helps because they're, I mean, like I said, this is, this is like really common now. I think when we talk about like, you know, feminist film theory and stuff, but just like men don't really know how to write women and women are like rewards. And they're like, you know, you like this whole sexy lamp thing, you know? So a girl comes <laughs> and she's like, I'm a girl. And you know, whatever, some crisp, Pratt dork spends the whole movie like, you know, a boy, yo, 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 yoing. And then at the end, they kiss or whatever. And I really kind of like that Valeria rolls up clearly as her own character. She and Conan hit it off immediately. And that's kind of really awesome that their arc together is not them, you know, will they, won't, they're falling in love. They fall in love really early on. And the rest of their arc is just, you know, how their relationship goes when she clearly loves Conan very deeply. You know, it's the first connection she's had in a long time. And Conan can't put that really aside, his, his vengeance aside to, you know, maybe carve out this life of her and it's mm-hmm. very beautiful and very tragic and i mean and especially because like y'all said this is like a, a pulpy action movie you know um but they are like i said they're they're the only hit couple that has rights <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's it's really something and when she comes back oh i uh, love one of my favorite such- scenes in all of cinema honestly like I'm not even fucking. It's like, what? Where do you lose your shit over every time? And it's it's that do you want to live forever scene. I love it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. Yep, yep. It's it's really good. I uh, honestly, it's really good. Um, it yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so what do we want to talk about now? Uh, <laughs> my problem is like what I love about this movie is it's, it's violent and stupid. And like that's 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 difficult to describe over the course of an hour. You know what I mean? After a while, it starts to wear a little thin. Me going, no, yeah, I, man. I mean, it is. It, it does have certain things. I, what I was, I, I remember now what I was getting at because I, I mentioned that Oliver Stone wrote the initial script, and then John Milius sort of had to rewrite it. He he called it, uh, perhaps charitably called it an inspired <laughs> mess. Uh, but uh, he he rewrote it, and then you you get these little flashes of perhaps uh, Milius's um, sort of more reactionary ideas regarding. Hey, everything. Milius says he's not a reactionary; he's just a right wing extremist so far to the right oh. that he's become a Maoist. Oh, I see. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. You know, uh, okay. <laughs> But uh, like there's there's brief moments where it shines through. And one of them is like right at the beginning where uh, where Conan's dad says, only trust this. And you can almost imagine if you just superimposed like uh, uh, some sort of a a firearm in his hand (laughs) over the sword, you know, this is pretty much I was like, oh, yeah, your weapons, of course. Um, You know, it it obviously. you know, this comes from the source material that Howard wanted to have a character that was able to depend on himself, you know? Yeah. So, you know, uh, Milius just takes that and, and sort of really. He Reaganomics it. Up it. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. This up. <laughs> can, can we talk, can we talk briefly about how his projections uh, of what is bad in the, in life are put upon uh, the set followers and false doom's cult. 
they are they are hippies, which it makes me laugh because I'm just in my head. I'm like, of course, like this is a motherfucker who like probably calls people pinko commies. And he's like, they're like hippies and flower children. And there's a one guy but, who's but they're <laughs> but they're supremely dangerous. Yeah. You gotta watch out for those. <laughs> See, it's all a trick. They they want you to join the cult. Set aside the one thing you can trust. Uh, your your gut i mean sword and uh and then join their cult and then uh become mesmerized <laughs> i i did i did like that uh like james earl jones is really great uh he doesn't have a lot of lines but you know he's obviously able to really do a lot with them i mean oh he's a, he's earl a jones. born scenery chewer like nobody does it like james earl jones he's so yeah. good because i mean I mean, like I said, Tulsa Doom is not like an in-depth character. He's just like this crazy cult leader. And the whole idea is he's supposed to be like so charismatic. And there's that scene of that girl on the cliff. And he's like, come to me, my child. Just fucking kills herself. That is amazing. You have to believe it. You have to believe that this guy would just have someone do that. And the idea is they're never like, oh, it's sorcery. But they never don't say it's sorcery. So it's sort of ambiguous what his ability is. But he has to be good enough where he does that. And you don't just like laugh hysterically and you're not like this guy, come on. And he carries I mean, it completely. <laughs> to be honest with you, I do. I do enjoy that scene and still laugh. when she crashes. <laughs> oh, that, the that fucking- okay. <laughs> That's a great pratfall. Yes. Um, so like, can we tie it back to Cthulhu? Because there's a lot of things happening there. All right. All right. So I, I mean, uh, the, the there's the relationship between the author of Conan the Barbarian and um, uh, Lovecraft, like they corresponded throughout their lives. Did they, and did they bond over their hatred of Italians? <laughs> and well, and women, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and like throughout throughout the Conan books, there are references to Cthulhu. Like they actually he he puts it in there, but it's different. Like Conan facing down the Cthulhu mythos is completely different from what H.P. Lovecraft intended because like Conan wants to arts outsmart it and whoop ass on it. And he like just outmans the whole thing. And there's some of that in these Conan movies, too, when he deals with the supernatural. And it's it's just sort of fascinating to me because like the starting point of this stuff is it's beyond our comfort comprehension and we're all helpless uh, before it. Oh, but here comes Conan, you know? (laughs) So, yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's, that's fertile ground for discussion, but it's, it's, I'm fascinated by it. I mean, that's kind of the thing though, which is both of them are writing from two very different places. I mean, Howard is pulpy and his stuff at the end of the day, he loves writing about how badass Conan is like, um, I reread the the Tree of Woe um, short story, and sure. the, the the majority of it is just Conan is crucified, and oh, and he's had in a drink of water for days, and he's in you know like you know, and he just he just never says Conan's in pain because you know consumato, but he just describes like the details of being crucified to a tree and left to die, and then some like you know, kind of nomadic warrior type show up and they're like, well, we can cut you down, but it might kill you. And Conan's like, do it, you know? And, and it goes into (laughs) agony about how like, you know, 
Yeah, like he has to like, you know, brace his whole body because I think it's actually on a cross, but whatever. The point is like if he falls down the wrong way, like his body's going to snap in half and he endures this terrible pain. It's just about how badass Conan is, you know? And then Lovecraft is like, oh, what if there's scary ethnic people your feeble woman mind cannot comprehend and they're all made of fish. Ah." You know, so of course, you know. I had to to touch a girl once. Yeah. And so, of course, Howard's like a 13 year old boy being like, oh, I could fight a velociraptor. He's like, oh, well, Conan could totally fight Cthulhu. R.I.P. to, uh, to Lovecraft, but I'm different. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I just think that uh, that Arnold is, in fact, the, great, the, the, the perfect incarnation because, you know, it really, you know, like, does Cthulhu bleed? <laughs> then we can kill him. <laughs> So, you know, uh, yeah, I, I honestly, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird pairing and it's, I can only imagine, like, I, I, I haven't really sought it out the, the letters and the correspondence between them, but it can't be good. <laughs> it's, yeah. I feel I, like if you put it up, half of it would just have to be like, just censored. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We can't say that word. We can't say that word. We can't say that word. Yeah. Well, it's just like, and and they, 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 every, every, it's an envelope and a package and every package has a red pill in it. (laughs) (laughs) Men going their own way. Which is. And it's all, all, all into devil's reef. interesting though because um lovecraft and um i think there's been some takes on the left that have talked about this with lovecraft which is he's talking about this this terrible horrific thing beyond our control which is essentially capitalism you know and then against that you have or or arguably a vagina yes (laughs) what's the difference (laughs) Um, but um but then you have Howard, who is almost going in the opposite of just like rugged individualism, bootstraps, you know, capitalism's a problem. Just work five jobs. You know, you can do well, it. And I mean, taking taking them both seriously for a second, which is something I can't do for an extended period. Um, th- those are both reactions you have to something you're scared of. Right. You're absolutely correct. Wow. That's, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's it's sort of like that. Maybe maybe there's something to the idea that they were both ex- exploring the same terrors together. I don't know. I, um, I, I, the funny thing is, I like both of their writings, and as people, they both annoy the shit out of me, <laughs> and that's that's always a problem as a science fiction fan, you know. Ugh. Like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, Pete, I hate to break it to you, but the the picture I'm looking at of uh, Howard, uh, he's a fedora guy. I'm sorry to say. I know he's a fedora guy. Oh my god, he looks like Matt Drudge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll say this, uh, Pete. It's it's a weird. I think it it boils down to the differences in approach. It may even boil down to regionalism, right? Because sure. I mean, Howard's living in Texas. I mean. Texas is a is a country that was carved itself out of Mexico, <laughs> you know, and so there, well, that there was is going to be carved itself out of Mexico. Not we stole it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, the the carving isn't it wasn't consensual. Let's put it that <laughs> okay, way. Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> uh, 
but uh, in any case, you know, so there there is this idea that I guess a more libertarian, what we would call a libertarian now idea of, you know, rugged individualism. That's what's going to, you know, that's, that's how you do things. And then, you know, Lovecraft is in the, the Northeast, you know, surrounded in, in Providence of all, all places, you know, surrounded by weird, like vestiges of the Vanderbilts. Well, not New York, but, you know, the old, old money from old families and thinking, I don't like any of the Italians, but I don't like any of the weird neo aristocrats either. <laughs> I don't trust anybody. Fuck those guys. The other thing too is, um, um, Howard had, I mean, it's speculated on cause it's like, you know, fucking no one gave a shit about mental health back then, but, um, he allegedly probably had major depression disorder and, um, he committed suicide. He shot himself in yeah. the head. And mm -hmm. I do kind of think like going back, like these very pulpy things and a manly man and he's never sad or feels pain, you know, he does not cry. So Subotai will cry for him, you know, is I think in a way, like probably some level of escapism there. This is my OC. He never feels sad. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I mean, uh, that makes perfect sense. Honestly, mm -hmm. he, he, he's building like sort of his alternate persona is yeah, exactly that. He's so strong. He can't, he doesn't ever cry. Mm -hmm. Even if you murdered his family and all his girlfriends in front of him, he wouldn't shed a tear, man. He's that badass. Mm -hmm. And uh, sadly, that's not, I mean, honestly, that's not, that's not badass. It's just sort of sad. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, going it's, back, it's I, I had, you know, some bro friends and they loved that line. And in retrospect, it's like, that's actually a really fucking sad line. <laughs> Well, I mean, I feel like it's interesting because uh, if we can tie this back to the scene where he uh, he's fighting basically the remnants of Thulsa Doom, um, his father's sword, he he breaks it. And, you know, like, you know, where in the Riddle of Steel is there any room for, you know, sort of bending and, and going with the flow? And that sort of typifies exactly that that sort of sentiment, like this idea that it's so it's so stiff and rigid, the sword. And obviously, there's other you know Freudian mm -hmm. things that we could read into that. But the the sword itself is so rigid and hard that you you can break it. And that is something too, because they never really explain what the riddle of steel is. And there's a lot of different ways to interpret that. And it's like, is, is this the real steel? Is this Conan rejecting the riddle of steel and just wanting to go about his own way? You know, like, um, well, much like the pirate code, <laughs> it's merely a series of guidelines, but it kind of is. Cause like you said about crumb, you know, crumb does not accept obedience. Uh, you know, I think that kind of goes back to that, you know, like crumb is Conan's God and he's not interested in obedience. <laughs> A weird thing for a deity. Yep. <laughs> but it goes Though goes it, back into those themes of both, you know, Howard and Milius, the, the rugged individualism. Serve no man, mm -hmm. especially not pinko kami hippies. <laughs> and especially not pinko kami deities either. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> to hell with him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I, I just, it's it, like this time around, I was like really watching for some of the, the flourishes. You know, this is the same man who made Red Dawn, mm. you know. Uh, I was looking for some of those flourishes and it did not disappoint. I do have to admit. Oh. 
I mean, the the guy who read, did Red Dawn, that's a perfect choice for this. I mean, at the end of the day. <laughs> he made he made Red Dawn after this. I feel he was like, yes. I've made one fantasy film. I must go make another. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, this one's real, man. It's real. <laughs> and that is another example of a movie that should not be uh, uh, remade, oh. shall we say. It. it- it can't be, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, it comes from a very, it comes from the mind and the culture of that time period. You can't make a movie about bad commies anymore, you know? And I know they've tried, I know they've done like remakes and shit, but like, I mean, that's one of those things going around, right? Like, Oh, what's your favorite? Like, you know, right wing movie. And a lot of people objectively like red Dawn is a very good movie. It is. It's made by Milius, who is an absolute lunatic, but it is a oh, sure. it is a good, competent movie. Well, I mean, he's he's sort of a lunatic, but he's a good craftsman. And I, he I, is, I, and I'm so torn. And like I said, I, I did this deep dive into him. Um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with like Lindsay Ellis, but she like is really fascinated by Michael Bay. She, I don't think she likes him. I think she's just kind of fascinated by him. And I was I was like, I don't understand this. And in reading up on Millie, I'm like, I understand this. It's like staring into an abyss, you know? Yeah, it drinks you in. <laughs> yeah, it drinks you in and you're just sort of like, you're like, I am fascinated by this crazy fucking weirdo because I think in our heads we're like, clearly someone like, you know, like that couldn't ever write anything good, you know? Like you think of like all those like crazy, like, you know, right wing or like Christian films are absolute bullshit. Um, and Milius is a really fucking talented writer. He's probably one of the best in that generation. And there's some damn good writers in that generation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I just I just feel like they 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 shot their shot on the remake of Red Dawn too early because really right now it would write itself. You know, the 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 actual commies would have been Antifa super super soldiers, (laughs) BLM extremists, you know, (laughs) you know, it would never be made. But it would be amazing to watch. Here's what I would argue, which is you could. But the big thing that goes down to Red Dawn is like defending your home. And I feel like it always would have to be invaders from the outside. I feel that's what really makes Red Dawn. And it's something like um, that bugs me because it's such a reactionary fantasy, right? Like, um, God, like even contemporary shit. Like, I, and I, I don't know. I'm always like, I'm not going to rewatch this because I like having my brain cells and I don't want to deep dive into it. But like, I don't know, like fucking Attack on Titan, right? This is our home. These things are coming in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's right. such a, a fucking reactionary fantasy. It's something people love. And then that fucking blows my mind that like a Palestinian kid will throw a rock at like a fucking you know idf soldier for like trying to shoot their family and everyone's like oh they got what they deserve i'm like i thought you all liked this i thought you loved the idea of people defending their home from like evil outside forces but only our homes yeah (laughs) only certain yes (laughs) um but yeah i i think that that's probably a good place to to probably wrap it up uh unless we have any last thoughts Dirty uh, limericks. I, I think depressing uh, Palestinian correct points is always a good place to stop an episode, Carlo. That- <laughs> Cut his mic. Cut his mic. I, I'm just, I'm just going to go cry. It's fine. 
Well, you know. Um, I, I will say this. Like I said, a lot of people haven't really watched Conan because, like I said, it's not the 80s movie you think of. You're not like 80 movie, Conan. Um, But Conan's really fucking good. It's sincerely really good. It's fun. It's pulpy. It's really well made. Um, I highly recommend it if you're into just good movies. Yeah. <laughs> I I do agree. I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, and also, uh, folks, if you haven't seen it already... Emma has a fantastic little video uh, regarding Conan uh, on YouTube, so give it a watch. What is its name again? It is uh, called um, What is Best in Life? A Look at Conan the Barbarian. And I think that uh, what is best right now is probably for us to say, uh, bid our adieus to all our listeners. What do you say, folks? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> See you later. Thanks, everyone. And, uh, yeah, and Krom, if you're listening, to hell with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh.